Would you turn with me to three openings this evening? Three openings in the New Testament. Matthew 17, Luke 9, and uh, then we'll wind up in Mark 9. Matthew 17, then we're going to uh, Luke 9, then finally Mark 9. For those of you that haven't been with us on Friday nights for a number of weeks now, we've been ministering and speaking on the subject of receiving and ministering healing. Receiving and ministering healing. So we're talking about both sides of healing, aren't we? If you had a physical problem, it would apply to you how to receive healing for yourself. If it's somebody that the Lord could use you to help to receive a healing, how do you minister to them? How do you help them and assist them to get healed? We believe very strongly in healing around here. Amen. Amen. We believe that just exactly what Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how how the book of Acts says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. We believe it just like that verse says that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. And that Jesus healed. And he hasn't changed so he's still healing. Amen. In fact he's doing more of it today than ever before. Because his ministry is now multiplied throughout the earth by the Holy Spirit throughout the body. Amen. So what he was doing, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, is multiplied greatly in our day. And it works for those that believe it. Well, we believe there's no better example to learn about these things than Jesus' ministry. How many understand you you couldn't do it any better than him? And there's only about 19 individual cases, individuals uh, recorded healed in the ministry of Jesus. Now, there's more people than that got healed under his ministry, but only about that many that were told what was wrong with them. What they, how they came to Jesus, what they said and did, how Jesus ministered to them, that kind of thing. And so we've been taking these 19 and studying them one at a time and looking at every verse, taking our time and asking and believing the Lord to show us how to receive healing and how to minister healing. Because how many believe that it happens exactly today like it did here, that the same way they received, we receive. The same way Jesus ministered, we're to minister. There is no better example to look at. So we have gone through now, how many is it? About 12 or so of these. And we began last week talking about the healing of the man's lunatic son as recorded in these openings. And I didn't get through. (laughs) We got about halfway and the Lord, I know it was the Lord, dealt with me to go a different direction And we talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. Amen. And so we did. Amen. If you were here, then you know about it. Praise God. Well, do you have your scriptures? Everybody ready? Amen. This is the account of the healing of the man's lunatic son. Well, if he's lunatic, you'd, you'd want to get healed, wouldn't you? Matthew 17. Let's pray and release our faith. Now, 
it's important that you not wait for something else to happen tonight before you release your faith. I don't know if you understand. Sometimes people, uh, God is moving, things are happening, but they got it in their mind that something else is supposed to happen. Maybe some other time. And so they miss what God is doing, waiting on something else. And uh, Dr. Hagen said it like this. He said, people miss, uh, they're seeking the spectacular and they miss the supernatural. Looking for something spectacular and miss the supernatural that God is doing right now. Don't have it in your mind about, well, you know, I want Brother Keith to lay hands on me. Well, I may not do that tonight. And I said, well, then I, how can I be healed? I'm not the healer. Never what? Now, if the Lord leads me to, we will. But he will lead us a way to release our faith. Amen. In line with the word. But how many understand there are many ways to release your faith? Many ways. Laying on of hands is one of them. We practice that. We've done that a number of times here on Friday night. And the Lord leads us to. But I'm saying don't, don't have it in your mind. Well, I'll tolerate, you know, that brother's preaching. And maybe at the end of the service he'll do something. And then I'll get him to pray for. Well, you can miss God. I said you can really miss God. Thinking like that, no, the scripture said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Amen. So let's, you know, I'm going to do my best to listen and be open. And, and, you know, if the Lord leads us a different direction in the middle, we'll do like we did last week. We'll just go that away, you know. I'm I'm not, you know, tied to any of these notes. But uh, at the same time, whichever way he leads us, that's what we're going to hook up with. Release our faith. You remember the uh, Naaman that uh, the man of God told him, go dip in the river. Well, he didn't like that. That's not how he wanted it to come. He said, surely I thought the man of God would come out and strike his hand over the place and call on his God. See, he thought he's going to see the prophet himself personally, and he never did. He thought the man of God's going to lay hands on him, and he never did. He thought the man of God's going to pray for him, and he never did. But he had direction from God. Go dip. Huh? Go take a dip. Well, how many understand if the Lord says go take a dip? That there, you know, pardon my English, but there ain't nothing else going to work like taking a dip. And we're not talking about Levi or Copenhagen. We're talking about a dip. In the river is what he told him to do. So if the Lord tells you something, that's where the anointing's at. For that time, for that situation, next time it might be different. Don't you thank God for the Holy Spirit? He leads us, He guides us, He directs us. So let's, let's release our faith. Close your eyes. Let's believe God for utterance and anointing tonight. And let's not wait for some other time, other thing. We're ready right now. For the Lord to speak to us, minister to us. Everybody say out loud, I'm ready ready. to receive receive. right now. now. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and we ask you for utterance, full and complete, exact. We ask you for everybody to have ears to hear and eyes that see and to be able to, to receive with their heart and understand. Let the anointing come that drives out, that, that destroys yokes and bondages uh, let the truth come that brings light and frees from darkness and confusion we ask for it we believe we receive it and we say we're not hearers only we're doers in jesus name
Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are you believing with me? Amen. Let's read these scriptures. And then we're, you know, especially by the time we get to Mark, we're going to begin to expound more on each one. This is the same healing, but it's recorded by all three. Matthew 17, 14. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falls into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. How many believe it happened just that way? Amen. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Now that's the answer to the question. Is everybody clear on that? Just as plain as you can say it. Why? Couldn't we do it? Because of your unbelief. Now, last week we got into part of this, and do anybody remember what that word for unbelief means there? It means puny. It means little. Or literally, the, the Greek lexicon says puny. Because of your puny faith, your, your puny faith, or your, your little faith. Little faith is a literal rendering, or puny faith. Because of your unbelief, King James says. Now, you see he's talking about little because the very next thing he says, For verily I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, that's little, isn't it? Well, then how much faith did they have on that day for that? It was smaller than than this, than the grain, so it was puny indeed. But if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, it'll remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. Howbeit this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now, uh, you know, this faith we're speaking about is a potent thing, isn't it? Somebody talks about, well, you know, how much faith do you have? Well, how much does it take? It doesn't take much faith. Amen? To do big things. Faith is potent. This is the very faith of God we're talking about. Amen? This is what He created the heavens and the earth with. And He's given us a measure of this faith. And His Word produces this faith in the hearer. That's why it's such an amazing and a wonderful thing to hear the Word of God with hearing ears and to have understanding of it and for faith to rise up in your heart. It is an eternal thing. Do you understand that he tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that, you know, prophecies are going to be fulfilled and, and a number of things are going to come to pass and be fulfilled, but faith and hope And love are going to abide. What does that mean? That means a gazillion years into eternity. It's still going to be. Faith and hope and love. That means any development you have in faith in this life is good for the rest of your existence. 
Amen. Faith is going to be involved in the in our future. Hope is going to be involved in our future. Love is going to be involved in our future. These three abide forever. Amen. Amen. So anything and everything you learn about these three things is going to do you well for the eons to come. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, go to Luke, please. Let's read Luke's account in Luke 9. Now, let me remind you of the setting of this. If you back up and read uh, some of the previous texts to this account of healing and deliverance, you'll see that Jesus, Peter, James, and John had just been on the mountain where he was transfigured. You know, he, uh, his clothes and, and his person became glittering, white, shining, and uh, they saw Elijah and they saw Moses. How many believe there's life after this life? Yeah. yeah. And they talked to him about what was going to happen to him. And he heard the voice of the Father. This is my beloved son. Hear him. And on coming down from the mountain, this is Luke 9, 9 verse 37. Luke 9, 37. Coming down out of the glory of this experience. It came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met him. In Mark, we're going to read in just a minute, it says they were greatly amazed. Why were they greatly amazed? Well, there was something about him that was different. Reminds you of uh, Moses being on the mount for 40 days and nights. And then when he came, you know, his face shone. So much so that it was so awesome that they had him put a cloth over his face. The glory of God had permeated his skin. How many believe when we spend time in God's presence, it changes us? But you know, that that shining didn't stay on him forever after that, so it wears off, doesn't it? Which means you what? Need to get back in there, Right? Get recharged. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew. Well, if you couldn't be depleted, you wouldn't need to be renewed. Hmm? But they that wait on the Lord, they will renew their strength. You know, we live in such a uh, busy, busy world. And everything is instant this and, and automatic this and Drive through this and microwave this and people think they're not doing anything unless they got to two cell phones and, and reading emails and got the fax machine going all at the same time. But you know that can cost you. And you can get busy-itis. Anybody know what I mean by that? I mean you, you can't sit still. You call it a good work ethic, but it's just not having peace. Did you hear me? Got to be constantly moving, constantly doing something, you know. I mean, just fidgeting with yourself or, uh, you know, just create work to do. I didn't call anybody's name, so just look straight ahead. And I just, just look straight ahead, smile, and just go, amen, Brother Keith, somebody needs that. And just, nobody will know. 
It was you. But, uh, you know, I know I, I come from a strong work ethic. I mean, my granddad, such a hard worker. My dad, mom, hard workers. And I know one of the toughest things. When I got in the ministry, the Lord began to deal with me about spending time with him and being quiet. Man, is one of the toughest things. So I thought, in the middle of the day, I'm supposed to go in the bedroom by myself and be quiet? Man, it's, I mean, it's six hours to sundown. You could get a lot of work done. That length of time. Well, there's different kind of work. And to get in there and get quiet, you know, then your mind starts racing. Well, you got this to do, and then you could do this. And then what about this? You're just laying in here doing nothing. But hold on. Is waiting on the Lord doing nothing? Do all of us require waiting on the Lord? Should all of us have times where we get quiet? And stay there long enough until our mind calms down. And is not just racing, racing, racing. And we get our bodies still and our minds still. Didn't he say be still? And know that I am God. And I found it's in times like that you get things from him. You get clarity. You get direction. I don't care how hard you're working or how fast you're moving or how hard and fast you're running. If you're going the wrong direction, what good is that? Right? So we we should hear from God. And we should take some time and get quiet and turn off those five TVs and and three radios and tape players. There's a time to be quiet. And even when you get in there, don't just scream in tongues and pray as loud as you can. Be quiet. Everybody say quiet. Quiet. Still. Still. Wait. See, it's not just about you trying to tell God something. You want to hear from Him. Not just a monologue. Yeah, ask and talk, but be quiet too. And receive. And in times like that, you'll renew your strength. Now, the reason I'm taking extra time to do this is because we have so many tired people. Weary people. Worn out. And they talk tired and they talk weariness. Every time you see them, I mean, you won't be around them three minutes. How's it going? Well, we're just so busy. Just so busy, 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 busy. And I'm just tired, you know. I need to get some rest. Well, that's not okay. Not supposed to be wore out all the time. Well, I don't, I don't have time to wait on the Lord. Well, then you're wasting time. It's a fact. I don't have time to go to church. Then your priorities are all wrong and you're wasting your life. Large chunks of your life, you're just blowing on something that's not going to even matter next year. Did you hear me? You don't have time to pray. You don't have time to wait on the Lord. You don't have time to come to church. You don't have time to serve the Lord. Then Jesus is not your Lord. He may be your Savior, but He's not running your life. You're running your life. You are your own Lord. And that's why people are worn out. Because when you do things in the effort of the flesh only, it wears you out. You got no divine help. You got no divine assistance. But if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, there's anointing. There's help. Even at the end of the day, if you feel a little tired physically, you can still feel refreshed in your spirit. Amen. 
You can lay your head on the bed at night and your body may be some tired, but inside your spirit, you can even be renewed. Amen. That's where it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be tired and worn out all the time. It's nothing to brag about that you're tired and worn out all the time. Something to repent over probably. Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? (laughs) It's also why people are sick. Because when you wear yourself out, just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, don't know how to be quiet, don't know how to rest, get a minute to be quiet and you find three more things to do, create stuff to do to stay busy. Busyness is, is like an addiction. It's like somebody that can't be free from smoking or something. They don't have a cigarette in their hand. They don't know what to do. Well, what do I do? Where's my cigarette? Because they just, it's kind of like a pacifier. You get used to having that, you know. Where's my, what do they call them? Bink, blinky or whatever it is. Binky. You can tell I don't know much about that. I'm sure I used to have one. But uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it is an addiction. As if people are not rushing, rushing, and rushing to do something and going somewhere and on the phone and this and that. They think, well, what do I do with myself? I got to, well, hey, it'd be a perfect time to go sit down and be quiet. Amen. Just quiet. Well, we turn the TV on, we turn this on. You know, I looked one time and did a pie chart. Of my committed time and my free time. And most people that, you know, work regular jobs and do things like that and have kids in school, they only have about two or three discretionary hours a day. Study it and see. And most people are blowing that on TV. No prayer, no waiting on God. And so folk don't understand why they're not sensitive to the Holy Ghost and, and why they're wore out all the time because that's not rest. Let me say, are you sure, Brother Keith? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, I like to just come and plop down and, and watch and rest. That's not rest. You might be resting your body, but you're not resting your mind. Did you hear me? Your body might not be doing anything, but you're not resting your spirit. You're not resting your uh, mind. You know, some some big action show or something. And I I like to watch a good action show once in a while. But you know, your uh, your emotions are going to go up with them and down with them. And somebody's hiding behind the bush and they're about to get them, and you're going, oh oh, you better go, you better run. Oh, he got him, you know. And, and, and well, see, you're you're sitting in the chair, but I mean, you're active inside. You're very. That's not resting. Shopping is not resting. It's okay to shop, but don't call it resting. Did you hear me? We live in a generation that doesn't know how to rest. And that's why we got things like chronic fatigue syndrome. Stuff people never even heard of years ago. You see what I'm talking about? And it's nothing to be proud of. It doesn't mean you're a mover and a shaker. It means you're a person that's not listening to God. Ministers, businessmen, people that so-called burn out, they just push themselves so hard and they do so much until they have breakdowns and they so-called burn out. You have to disobey God to burn out. Amen. Amen. That's right. Did you hear me? 
You have to disobey God to burn out. I know there's been times in my life I'm all primed about something. I think, well, I'm going to go study that. I'm going to go look this up. And I pull something out and the Lord said, go to bed. Lord, I'm ready to study the Bible. He said, go to bed. You need some rest. We're mortal. Our body's mortal. Amen. It requires rest. And how come me to get in all that, I don't know. But uh, it's true. And how do you overcome it? They that wait on the Lord. Amen. Test yourself. Go get somewhere and get quiet. Nothing on. Nothing. No tape. No TV. No radio. Nothing. Everybody say nothing. Nothing. And sit there. And think about the Lord. And just put your mind on Him. And just sit there or lay there for an hour. Somebody said, I'll go to sleep. You probably will. <laughs> when you wake up, just pick up where you left off. I'm serious. And just stay with it. And I'm telling you, this is how you learn to grow. Meditate. Get sensitive to God. How you learn how to hear from God. You get over this weakness and tiredness and busyness stuff and begin to be strong. Amen. Amen. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. Well, you can be sitting there in your easy chair with your eyes closed and just soar. Soar above the problems. Soar above your feelings and above your emotions. God lifts you up to where you see over the problem and see the answer. See it just as clear. All that frustration leave you. Joy and peace come on you. Amen. How many believe that sounds good? Next time people say, well, how are you doing? You don't say, I'm just so busy. I'm so tired. You say, man, I'm doing great. I just got through waiting on the Lord about two hours and I feel like a million bucks. And then some. Can you say amen? Amen. Rested and ready. You want to read some more about this healing? (laughs) Luke 9. How am I going to get through like this? 37. It came to pass on the next day when they come down from the hill, much people met him. Behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech you, look upon my son, for he is my only child. And lo, a spirit takes him, and he suddenly cries out. It tears him that he foams again, and bruising him hardly departs from him. And I besought your disciples to cast him out, and they could not. Now, we mentioned this before, but just go back to the very first verse. Of the same chapter, Luke 9, because the man, Jesus didn't say they couldn't do it, did he? Who said they couldn't do it? The father of the child said they couldn't do it. Well, they did fail to do it, but technically, could they have done it? Well, Jesus didn't tell them when they asked him, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, well, you know, you couldn't because you're just you. And this was a big, ugly, hairy devil. And... I, you know, it took anointing on my level to do, so don't feel bad because you couldn't do it. Y'all are just not up to that. He didn't tell them they couldn't do it. What did he tell them? 
Why they didn't do it was because of their unbelief. Could they have had more faith? Should they have had more faith? Then could they have done it? Yes, they could. Yeah. So technically they could have. And you see that in the ninth same chapter, back in the first verse, he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them, this is before this incident we read about, gave them power and authority over all. How many? All All devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. They had authority over how many demons? Then they had authority over that one. Didn't they? But they didn't get the boy set free. He said, I besought your disciples to cast him out, and they could not. Jesus answering said, Oh, what? Faithless, perverse, perverse means distorted, twisted. How many know a lot of folk in the world are confused? Boy, they see things in a twisted way. Don't know what's important. He, he said the whole generation is, is faithless and distorted. How long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring your son here. So Jesus just came out of the glory. I mean, his whole person has been transfigured. He heard the voice of the Father. He spoke with patriarchs that lived generations ago. And he faces a problem in a child down here. And he didn't just say, oh, stand back. I'm in the glory. (laughs) Did he? I'm the son of God and I'm in the glory. Just get out of the way. No, even after such an amazing experience, he talks to them about their faith. Do you hear what, what we're saying here? Every one of these instances that we've studied so far, the individual's faith was the determining factor in their healing. This is up to number 13 or something like that. Every one we have studied, the person's faith was either specifically referred to or you could sure see it in action. Everybody say faith. Is it true that no matter if it's who it is ministering to you, even Jesus himself... That faith is the determining factor in whether you're healed or not. Is that true? Has to be. Now you can take other people's theories about it, but we're reading scriptures here. And every case we've studied, he said, your faith has made you whole. As you believed, be it done to you. And here coming right out out of the mountain, right out of the glory, he didn't say, stand back and I'll take care of this for you. What did he say? Faith. Where's the faith at? And remember, eventually the man said, well, you know, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. What will get you healed? Faith in God. What will get your bills paid? Faith. What will help you to overcome a bad uh, problem or uh, relationship difficulties or whatever it might be? What will get you out? Faith in God. Amen? How does faith come? It comes by hearing the word. Our faith is growing. The Lord spoke to us concerning this church. He said, I'm growing this church up quickly. And he is. I believe I'm growing some. Do you believe you're growing some? I believe we're, we're growing. It's happening. Amen? Our faith is growing. Our vision is growing. 
Our understanding is growing. We're coming up. Coming up. The devil doesn't like it, but tough. Tough. We don't care what he likes or don't like. He said, verse 42, as he was yet a coming, the devil threw him down. He tore him. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the child and delivered him again to his father. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. I'll end there. Go to Mark then, the ninth chapter. Mark 9. Hallelujah. Hadn't even got to what I... Had on my heart yet. But the Lord knows what's important. I used to say for the I man for the first ten years in the ministry, I'd do that, you know, I'd start out and then I'd go a different way and then I'd come back and go a different way. And I this was one of my sayings. I'd say, Well, this is not my message. But and I'd talk about something for fifteen minutes, then I'd say, Well, this is not my message. But I I must have said that for 10 years. One day I was in the pulpit and I said, well, now this is not my message. And the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but inside me, he said, he said, Keith, if I say this, your message, that's your message. (laughs) I said, yes, sir. You're right. I mean, he's always right. But it's not just for preachers. Do you understand you should be just as flexible in all of your plans? In all of your dealings and all of your goings, yeah, make your plans and think and check and do. But when you get in the middle of it and something else comes up in your heart and you just have a sense, no, don't do that this way. Don't do that today. Go another direction. Follow the Holy Spirit, not your plan. Right? In Mark 9, are you there? Mark 9, 14. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? Now see, the scribes were having a heyday with the disciples' failure. And they were ribbing them and they were ripping into them with questions. Well, you know, why why didn't you get him set free? Why couldn't you do this? Why didn't this happen? And like we studied uh, and we went into some last week, their failure did not reveal the will of God. Right? You understand that there are millions of professing Christians that do not believe it is God's will to heal them. Millions. You understand we're in the minority in the earth believing this. It's changing. We're gaining ground. But there are millions of good people in all different denominations and Christian groups. They love God, thoroughly saved, but they don't believe it's God's will to heal them physically today. Why do they believe it's not God's will to heal all? What scripture tells them that? Can they do a study like we're doing? Can they get up in their church and say, we're going to give you 19 cases of why it's not God's will to heal you? Can they do that? Can we find even one in the ministry of Jesus where he told them, sorry, it's not God's will to heal you? Even one? Can we find even one where the Lord looked at one person? I mean, and there were hundreds of thousands at least that came through his ministry and all kinds of sick people 
Even one that he looked at him and said, I'm sorry, God is working something out in your life through this. He's teaching you something through this. So it's not time. It's not right. Even one. So then these positions are unscriptural. They have no scripture for what they believe, yet they'd fight you for it. Fight you about it. Make fun of us because we believe it is God's will to heal everybody. Based on what? Based on things like this. Somebody, even good people, who prayed for somebody somewhere and they didn't get healed. Now what do we do? Well, brother so-and-so was a real man of God and he prayed for so-and-so and they died. And people come back and say, well, you know, it just must not have been the will of God. And it's just not always the will of God to heal and we don't know why and you just never know. There is no scripture. You just never know. People quote it. They do. They'll try to look wise. You get talking about some of the things. They go, well, you just never know. The scripture says, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We have a responsibility. To find out what the will of God is and to stand for it. Amen. Believe for it. Expect it. Put our faith on it. These were men under Jesus' personal instruction. He personally authorized them, personally empowered them, personally taught them, personally sent them. And they failed. To get a man set free, a man's son set free. But this father and his son's failure to receive did not reveal the will of God. And these disciples' failure to minister effectively and get the boy set free did not reveal the will of God. Jesus came right behind them, got the boy set free, and revealed the will of God. Can you say Amen. Well, what if he hadn't have been there? Well, then the boy might not have been healed. But you couldn't have gone off and said, well, you just never know. It's just God put that on that child for a reason and we don't know why. What are you basing that on? What scripture are you basing that on? Look at what happened here. This boy, his parents were, were troubled with this condition on their child for years. Since a child, he's like this. He's suicidal. He tries to drown himself. He tries to burn himself up. He has fits. He has seizures. He's deaf. He's dumb. Is that God? No. Is any of that God? No. What is it? Trying to kill him. I remember John 10.10. Thief comes not but for to steal and to kill. And to destroy. Is something trying to kill this boy? Is it God? You know, it's it's nigh unto blasphemy to act like it is God. To attribute the devil's work to the Almighty is near blasphemy. You understand? And I know people do it out of ignorance, but it, it is a terrible bad thing. No, trying to kill him. Trying to destroy him, robbing from him. That's the devil. What Jesus do? Set him free. Set him free. He's delivered. He's healed. 
The boy's in his right mind. He's not trying to kill himself anymore. He can see. He can hear. He goes home to daddy. Don't you think mama's going to be happy when they get back? That's the will of God. Come on, everybody say it. That's the will of God. If it was the will of God then, it's the will of God now. If it was the will of God for them, it's the will of God for you. He's no respecter of persons. He does not change. Makes me happy. Does it make you happy? Say it out loud. God's will is healing. God's will is deliverance for everybody. All the time. Amen. Hallelujah. Keep reading. One of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought to you my son which has a dumb spirit. Wherever he takes him, he tears him. Foams, gnashes with his teeth, pines away. I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. Unbelief irritates the Lord. You don't just see it in this passage, you see it in numerous passages. Remember when the disciples got so scared in the boat when the storm was on. He spoke to the wind and waves. Then he looked at them and said, why are you so full of fear? Where's your faith? Didn't make him happy that they're whining and crying and cutting up there, scared they're going to die. And here's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm working on this myself. Everybody should be. To the Lord, there's no excuse for unbelief. Because he's never lied to us. Why should we think he's going to? He's never failed us. Why should we entertain an idea that he might? He's good. He's never changed and been bad. Why should we think he might be bad this time? To him, there's no excuse for us squalling and feeling sorry for ourselves and being scared and thinking it might not work out this time. To him, that's unacceptable and no excuse for it. I want you to understand this now. Don't take my word for it. Search the scriptures. See what aggravated him. There are times it says he looked around on them and he was angered and he was grieved for their hardness of hearts and their unbelief. Made him mad. It aggravated him. In his own hometown, they wouldn't believe him and he couldn't, could not. Said he could there do no mighty works. Unbelief chokes people off from blessings. I'm glad we're a believing church. Aren't you? We're a believing bunch. Amen. We believe in the miraculous. We believe in healings. I believe healings are going on right now. Right now. All you got to do is say, I believe that. I believe that. I believe it's God's will for me to be healed. And I just believe I take it right now. I just believe I receive it. I accept it. Amen. I told the story some years ago. We had the little small uh, healing class there at Raymond where I taught for some years. There wasn't 20 or 30 people in that room that day. We had it every day. And uh, mornings were just they were smaller and afternoons were, were larger. And it was real informal. I walked around like I do here, you know, and even further in the aisle sometimes. People knew they could ask a question if they wanted to. And there was this lady. She was older. And, and, and I was standing almost beside her. And I said something about believing you received. She raised her hand kind of slow. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, now, young man, are you saying, I just believe I take my healing. 
And that's it. I believe I've got it. I said, yeah. It's no more difficult than that. Mark eleven twenty four. What things serve you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them. And you'll have them. And that word means take. Believe you take them. Look it up. It literally means take. She said, okay, thank you. I went, I just went on. I mean, there was no fast organ music. I wasn't preaching and waving my, just, just like that. Just like that. After the service, I mean, it was some 30 minutes. You know how I can preach long. I mean, it was after that, some time after that, that, uh, we got through and she came up and she said, look. I said, great. I mean, I didn't know what was. <laughs> she said, no, you don't understand. I'd had two strokes and couldn't even use the side. Said, I couldn't use this hand. I couldn't raise. She said, look. (laughs) I mean, just that quick. I never touched her. I never prayed for her. She just said, young man. She raised raised the other hand. I didn't know what was going on at that time. She said, are you saying? I said, well, the, the Bible said, believe you receive and you'll have. Just believe I take my healing. Just believe I take it. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, thank you. And she did. She just sat right there and just believed she took it. Healed of stroke damage. Well, that's brain damage. Can God fix a brain? Yeah. Hallelujah. How many are believing with me? Are you expecting? Can God do something in this crowd right now? I believe he is doing some things right now. Just simple, simple. Just say, I believe it. I believe I receive. I believe I take that for myself right now. In Jesus' name. So they brought him, verse 20, to him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? He said, of a child. Now get this, Jesus wasn't easily shaken, was he? Here's this boy in a seizure, rolling around on the ground, foaming at the mouth. Jesus didn't jump in the middle of him and start screaming. He looked at his daddy and said, how long has it been like that? They're t- he's holding the conversation. This boy rolling around in a seizure. <laughs> we don't want to just react to what the devil does. We want to be in charge. Amen. And we must hear from God about what to do in each situation. And not just scream and jump up and down in the flesh. Because the flesh profits nothing. And he, he said, of a child, he said, oft times it's cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. See, without understanding, he thinks it's all up to Jesus. Doesn't he? He tries to throw the responsibility of all this, of, of his boy's deliverance and healing. He tries to put it right in Jesus' lap. He said, well, he said, he's been like that since a child. And he said, but please, please, if you can do something, help me. Can't you see what a bad shape? Here, do something about it. And he puts all the responsibility of it in Jesus' lap. Did Jesus take it? No. Did Jesus receive the responsibility for that? No, he turns right around. And what does he say? Actually, some translations bring out that there's a play on the Greek phrases here. Here it says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. But he did ask a question. He said, if you can do anything. And some word it this way. They said that Jesus said, if I can, believe. All things are possible to him that believes. 
How many know it's not a matter of can the Lord do something? See, he's working on the wrong end. Can you, if you can, well, what do you mean if I can? <laughs> if you can, oh God, if you could do something, please, if you could, if you could just do, you're working on the wrong thing. Can God do something for you? Can he change your liver or your lung or a valve in your heart or your kidney? Can he? Faster than you can blink your eye. He could put a new one in there. Can he repair damage, nerve damage, organ damage, joint damage? Can he? Can he restore and heal what years of arthritis have done to a body? Years of some kind of disease. Can he reverse that? And restore what's been damaged. If what? It's not a matter of if he can. If you can believe. All things are possible to him that believes. Put yourself in the man's shoes. He's standing there and he said, Lord, please, please. You see the boy, he's always been, he's been like that since a little, little child. Please help, help us. If you can do anything, have mercy on us and help us. Jesus looked back at him and said, if you can believe, he just came out of the glory. He just heard the Father's voice. Why is he talking about faith? Because it is the way. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now notice what happens next. Read on. What happened? What did the man do? What did the man do? Immediately he responded, didn't he? And what did he say? I do. I believe. Help my unbelief. This is significant. What's going on here? All of us can relate to this. Romans 10.10. Go ahead and take time to turn there real quickly. Romans 10.10. And Proverbs 3.5. Romans 10.10. What does it say? The heart man For with what? Heart. Let's just stop right there. For with the heart man believes. What do you believe with? What part of your being do you believe God? Do you have faith with heart? Now, he's not talking about your physical blood pump. You can't believe God with your physical heart anymore. You can believe God with your kidney or liver or lung. Can't believe God with an organ. Heart is the inner man. Just like we cut open a watermelon and we say that's the heart of the melon. What's the heart? The core, the center part, the inner part. Heart of an oak tree, heart of a pine tree. What's the heart of a human being? Their spirit, their inner man. That's what you believe God with. Not your head. You don't believe God with your head. Go to Proverbs. Are you holding that place? Proverbs 3. What does verse 5 say? Trust in the Lord with all of your So what do you trust with? And what's it going to say? Lean not to your own. Do you trust God with your understanding? No, you don't. Do you believe with your understanding? Have faith with your understanding? No, you don't. Now, the reason I took the time to turn to these and talk about this, this will help you understand what this man meant when he said, Lord, I believe. Where's that coming from? His heart. 
Where did he get that faith? He's hearing Jesus talk. He's looking at him, right? Jesus didn't give him some excuse why his boy couldn't be healed and why you just never know since the disciples didn't get results. He looks at him. He says, what do you mean if I can? All things are possible to him that believes. If you'll believe, anything's possible. How many believe that produced faith in this man? He heard that. He's looking Jesus in the eye. He's here. How many believe Jesus said that with faith? Oh, yeah. And when he heard that, it jumped up in his heart. He, I, I think it probably almost came out before he thought about it. He said, I believe. I do believe. And then something else happened. Huh? Now, see, he's seen this boy like this for years and years. He's had him to doctors. He's had him to specialists. He's done everything that they can know to do. And he remembers all that in his mind. And he's looking at his boy writhing on the floor there in a, in a seizure. So he hollers what? Help my unbelief. <laughs> Help my unbelief. Now, let me just stop right here and jump ahead. What happened? Did the boy get delivered or not? Huh? He did get delivered. That's why we're here talking about it tonight. He got delivered from seizures, from being crazy, being lunatic, and he got healed from dumbness. He got healed from deafness. He got an overhaul. Papa must have had faith. That was too weak. Come on now, stay with me. Don't, don't, just, don't just look at it and go, well, Jesus came out of the mountain and did that. No, Jesus didn't just do that. He required of the man faith, didn't he? He said, if you can believe the boy got healed, what do we know? He believed, Daddy believed. Well, what's this help my unbelief? Head. Huh? What he was seeing, what he was thinking, his past experiences, all these thoughts coming against his mind. How could it be? How could it be? He's always been. How could it be? Here's the good news. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt in your head. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I heard Dr. Kenneth Hagin say that years ago. And it just etched in my heart. And that's exactly what this is talking about right here. Faith will work in your heart. Even with all these thoughts bouncing around in your head. It can be like bees swarming around your Yeah, but what about this? And how come this? And where is that going to come from? And how could that ever be? They say it's terminal. They say, just, just say, shut up, shut up. I believe. Help me with this stuff, Lord. I believe. And just stay with what you got in your heart. And keep casting down those thoughts and you can have the miracle. Faith will work in your heart with thoughts of doubt and fear in your mind. Is that good news or is that good news? Now one reason I wanted to camp on that a little bit is because the devil knows scripture too. And he quotes scripture and misquotes it and misapplies it. Have you ever heard him? He tried to do that with Jesus in the garden, didn't he? And one he loves to use is over in James. Don't turn there. But when it talks about if a man wavers, don't let that man think he'll receive anything of the Lord. Remember that? 
And people trying to believe God for something, and they catch themselves, they've sat there and thought about the problem for several minutes, and the devil says, uh, 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 wavering, wavering, don't let that man think you'll receive anything of the Lord. People go, oh, I'm wavering, I can't receive anything, and just believe that they can't receive. No, no. Wavering in the heart, vacillating on your position, in your, with the heart you believe. No, when you catch thoughts in your mind and feelings and fears come on you, don't you say, oh, I can't believe I'm messing up. No, just jump up and say, no, no, I don't believe that. Help me with my mind, Lord. I believe. Reaffirm what you believe in your heart. This is what I believe. It's what I believe. That's all you have to have. That's enough. This man hadn't been to Bible school. This man didn't have any, he, he didn't even read his chapter every day with Faith Life Church. So you thought we'd go and not talk about that tonight, didn't you? Because everybody at Faith Life Church reads their chapter Monday through Friday every day. Right? Hallelujah. Said out loud, faith will work in my heart with thoughts of doubt and fear coming against my mind. It happened for this man, didn't it? It happened. And it can work for you. Hallelujah. Verse 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears. He was sincere, wasn't he? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together... He rebuked the foul spirit and he said to him, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you come out of him and enter no more into him. Notice he did it when he saw the people coming together. Why? Why did that make a difference? Would it have made a difference if a whole bunch of people had gathered around with a bunch of doubt and unbelief? See, the previous two sessions we've studied, he got the people and led them out of town. In order to heal him. So he moved right then before a bunch of unbelief came and gathered around him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. He was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. Do you know that some situations when deliverance begins it gets worse? Hmm? Looked like it got a lot worse and yet he's getting delivered. But you'd think man. I wish he'd quit praying for him. He just got a lot worse. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he was coming to the house. Now let's just stop right here and thank God for the healing. I mean, was the boy delivered? I mean delivered. He would have been in an institution today, probably in a padded cell, full of drugs, seizures, crazy, deaf, dumb. He goes home back to mama. Seeing, hearing, in his right mind. No more seizures. Can God still do that today? Mm, Yes, he can. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I believe it, don't you? All things are possible to him or her that believes. So here, the boy's healed and delivered, and they go back to the house. And the disciples come around later, and they said, Jesus, could we ask you something? He said, yeah. They said, uh, why couldn't we get that boy set free? We tried, you know. Well, they must have prayed over him. They must have rebuked and bound. They must have tried to cast out. Mustn't they? Yeah. 
Must have. Right? They prayed. They rebuked. They bound. They cast. Boy, didn't you set free. Now, Matthew gives us the answer. Uh, Mark didn't say it just like this. But what did Jesus tell them immediately after that? He said, because of your unbelief. But then following that, he said to them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Now, now hold your place right here in this chapter. Let's talk about this just a minute before we get through. Because people don't understand this and they get off with, with this. Fasting is instrumental in powerful ministry. Fasting does not give you authority. Fasting doesn't heal people. Fasting doesn't deliver people in and of itself. But it obviously does have a place in powerful, effectual ministry. Now let's just back up and and, and talk about another side of this. Jesus said this kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. But do we ever see him face a situation of somebody who's oppressed or sick and goes, boys, now let's go fast on this. Huh? And and let's meet back here in three days. Do we ever see anything like this here or in the book of Acts? No, you don't. No, you don't. And yet you see some people trying to apply it like that. They run into a problem and go, well, let's all fast. To get them set free. Fasting doesn't heal people. Are you listening to me now? Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting doesn't move God. Faith causes God to respond. Did you hear me? And yet fasting can be a powerful tool to help you and I with our flesh. Because your flesh can hold you out. Fasting changes your flesh. Hmm? Let's get clear on what fasting does. Fasting affects your flesh, not God. Doesn't change God, doesn't change the Bible, doesn't give you authority. Now, Skip down just a few verses here and see what was going on that will give you some insight into this. No, let me do it the other way. Hold your place there. Go to Psalm 35. Psalm 35, 13. Look at a truth here. Psalm 35 and 13. Are you there? He said, as for me, when they were sick, sick. My clothing was sackcloth. And I what? I moved God with fasting? Huh? I overcame the devil with fasting. No. I, I did what? I humbled my soul with fasting. You understand that you're not to pray for God to humble you? I said, you're not to ask God, Lord, humble me. Lord, make me humble. The scripture tells you to humble yourself repeatedly. 
Are you with me now? And there are a number of ways of doing that. Here is one thing that helps you to humble your soul. Fasting. Fasting is denying yourself. Something your flesh wants. It involves more than food. Fasting. And of course I can see everybody's really getting excited about (laughs) fasting. Yeah, brother, can you tell us more about fasting? Fasting affects your flesh. Fasting is denying your flesh something it wants. Your flesh wants to eat. And you say, nope, we're not going to eat this meal. And your flesh will go, why? (laughs) I'm hungry. In fact, I I feel a little weak. We ought to eat. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's fast tomorrow. Your flesh will always agree with you about fasting tomorrow. But when it's today, not watching TV would be fasting. Hmm? Your eyes wants to see that. Your ears want to hear that. And you say, no, no, I'm going to leave that off. I'm going to go over here and sit down and get quiet. Fasting. Denying yourself something you want to do and want to see. You can live a fasted life in that every day you're, you're saying no to something you wanted to do, flesh-wise. You was all primed for a third piece of pie. <laughs> or maybe just a piece of pie. And you use those two little letter word, no. No, and don't make a big fanfare of it. Don't, don't look sad and look across the table at your host and go, I'm fasting. I'm going to give it up for the Lord. You're a big phony, big put on. And if you get anything out of your conversation, that's all you get out of that fast. But there's another kind. Why would Jesus say that? This kind doesn't come out but by prayer and fasting. When you fast, you humble your soul. When you fast, you deny your flesh. And when you deny your your desires, uh, we've, we've already talked about this, or like the stray cat. The more you feed it, it's going to be stronger, it's going to hang around. And when you deny your flesh, it gets weaker. And you get more sensitive to the Spirit. Did you hear me? Never deny your spirit good things. Feed your spirit. But from time to time, deny your flesh. Don't make a big fanfare out of it. You know, you can just be all primed and reaching for that candy bar and go, no, no, walk away. You can eat one tomorrow if you want to. Hmm? People say, well, I can stop anytime I want to. Prove it. Quit talking and do it. Show us. Just skip it for today. Well, I could if I wanted to. Let's see it. See, a lot of times people don't realize how fleshy they are. Just laying down something simple. It comes down to it, they won't do it. I've had people tell me, well, well, now I got to have my three hot squares a day. 
And I got to be in bed at 9.30. I mean, that's just, I got to. You're carnal. Flesh ruled. You should tell your body when it sleeps, when it gets up. You tell your body when it eats, when it doesn't. Not it telling you. You tell it. Go back to Mark 9 real quickly, please. Well, you got three sermons in one tonight, didn't you? Mark 9, are you there? Verse 29, Jesus said, This kind didn't come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And, verse 30, are you with me? And they departed thence and passed through Galilee. He would not that any man should know it. For he taught his disciples. He said to them, The Son of Man is delivered to the hands of men. They shall kill him. After that he's killed, he shall rise the third day. But they understood not that saying and were afraid to ask him. And he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them. See, they asked him a question. Why couldn't we do it? Later on, he asked them a question. What was it that you were disputing among yourselves by the way? (laughs) Disputing means what? Arguing. They had got in an argument along the way. And and he just asked them the question. He said, uh, what were y'all arguing about a while ago? But they held their peace. Nobody said a word. They just like, what you, what's he talking about? <laughs> For by the way they had what? Disputed, that means argued among themselves, who should be the greatest. Does this give you insight? Why couldn't they cast him out? Hmm? They had authority. They'd been anointed. They'd been authorized. Why couldn't they get it done? Because of their puny faith. Why was their faith puny? See, there's reasons for things. Why? Well, one thing we know, they're arguing who's the big shot. Would fasting help that? If you've got a bad case of big head-itis? Would it? Would getting off by yourself, missing a few meals and and denying yourself pleasures and TV and and food for a couple of days, would that help bring you to reality? Putting your nose in the carpet and worshiping God for a day or two. Humbling your soul with fat. See, yeah. Arguing. One said, I'm degraded. He said, no, you ain't. I am. Another one spoke up and said, neither one of you are. I'm going to be greater in the kingdom than either one of y'all. Well, now, what kind of stuff is this for Jesus' crusade team? (laughs) They didn't learn that from him, did they? And friend, listen, you want to be used of God? You You must operate in the anointing. You must operate in the authority of the name. Can't do that in the flesh. They yelled at the boy in the flesh. They yelled at the devil in the flesh. Nothing happened. How many know you can't sit around thinking about how amazing you are and argue with people about how, how you're the greatest? Huh? And be a glutton in different areas of thinking about yourself and this and that, and then you run face to face with a problem and you're going to be full of power and full of, you understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, there are reasons why. 
So the fasting doesn't cast out devils. Do you understand this now? Fasting doesn't move God. I've seen people fast their self till they destroyed their health. Well, I'm going to fast 40 days and I'm going to fast till God moves in this place. You may die. Fasting doesn't move God. Faith. Oh, come on now. Faith pleases God. But you get to feeling a little big for your britches. Yeah. Go fast. Humble yourself. Put yourself in the floor and skip some meals. Did you hear me? It'll help you get your eyes straight, get yourself sorted, get your flesh under control, get yourself sensitive to the Holy Ghost. And then like Jesus, when you walk up to a situation, you'll be ready to deal with it. Amen. You'll be ready to use the authority. You'll be ready to operate in the anointing. Can you say amen? Amen. Jesus did fast 40 days and nights in the wilderness. Tempted. He never gave in to the temptation. And he came out in the power of the Spirit. Demons in the synagogue cried out and go, oh, we know who you are. He said, yeah, shut up and leave. And they did. Hmm? He didn't come and fast. He had fasted before time, and I believe he lived a fasted life, controlling his flesh. Amen. Not yielding to lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And he walked in great power. And he walked in great authority. And we can too. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.